today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Marie. It's good to be with you once again. Today is Monday, January 29th, 2024. We don't usually record on Mondays. It is a bit unusual, isn't it? Correct. But here we are inviting the new week and wrapping up January, end of February. And today is a big day here at the White Bikini. You and I have finally watched the Barbie movie. Yes, we have. Okay. I need to know exactly what you thought. <laughs> There's too much going okay. on in this right. movie. So, you're right. There's a lot going on. There's some things I liked and some things I didn't like. I still think it's silly, the concept of a Barbie movie. However, putting that all aside in the same way that I think a movie with giant robots from outer space is kind of silly, but we all suspend disbelief. And once you do that, you get into the themes that are really important and really what we're here to talk about. It's a theme of individuality. It's a theme of fighting discrimination. It's a feeling that there are people out there willing to take and exploit you if you allow them to. It's a journey of self-discovery. I mean, Barbie literally goes on a journey of self-discovery in order to become more enlightened. And that is, I think that is a mission that we can all commit ourselves to, in, you know, to varying degrees, of course. Did you like the movie? I didn't love the movie. I didn't think I was going to love the movie, but I appreciate the movie. Does that make sense? I I, I know it sounds a bit mealy-mouthed, but I appreciate what the, the, the themes of the movie, I think they're important, especially for impressionable young girls. The movie sent a really important message. And I think if you can spoon feed these important ideas with a little bit of honey, you can make a difference in the world. And I think in that respect, it was effective. Is it for me? No, that movie wasn't necessarily for me, but I recognize its value. I started out loving the movie and then it started to become too cartoonish for me. But this movie is not speaking to our generation. No, and I, and I think it's that element of the cartoonishness that it's, I'm already receptive to those messages. So I don't need the spoonful of honey, if you will, the cartoonish elements, the silly elements, you know, the, I found Ken to be a bit distracting at times. I think it was a movie where Ken was perhaps not so dramatic and unenlightened and silly. It, it wouldn't be as distracting, but I recognize it's not for, it's not for me. It's not for my demographic. I found Ken very distracting. I don't know how Ryan Gosling is, how he's up for an Academy Award nomination. It's embarrassing. Well, I mean, embarrassing might be strong, strong words, no. but you're right. You're right. I, I listen. I think the writers perhaps should get a nod for the Oscars, but I, I'm not sure that Ryan Gosling or Barbie. I don't know. That doesn't sit well with me. And I don't really know why Ken was so prominent in this picture. His character really wasn't necessary. That's exactly what I thought. That's it. And I, I think I may have just said that at the my little screed at the top. He didn't seem all that necessary to me. He was there. I mean, anyway, let, let's go back to the things we liked about the movie because I, I think that's perhaps a, a more useful tack. What I loved was when it, of course, I actually had a Barbie. I was more of a skipper than a Barbie. Barbie's little sister. I, I always like to be the bad little sister. Barbie was too perfect for me. But I do remember the house and I liked how she woke up in it the first day. Everything's perfect. She's floating around, jumping into her car, but the next day she wakes up and she was having what I'm going to call her feminist moment. That suddenly the gloss of what she thought was happening in her life isn't what was happening. And that's a sad moment as a woman. I'll cede the floor to you on this one. I think this is perhaps one of those times where it's best listen. Um, 
go on? Well, it's more kind of like going from when you're 18 to when you're 25. Okay. You know, you wake up and you're in your mom's house and everything's perfect. And then other people outside of that bubble start to infiltrate your life and distract you. And you're starting to get tired and you thought you'd be married and you thought you'd have children. And everything that's happening externally is not happening where to me, the message that I wish I had learned much earlier is all of that comes from within. And that was the theme that I certainly grasped watching the movie. It's all, it's about that awakening, that recognition that if you don't seize you, the internal you, the being within you, then you're lost. And I think what we saw was that you live a life of routine rather than a life of purpose. And I think Barbie is this generation's Betty Friedan's feminine mystique. That's exactly what this was, was it was taking Betty Friedan's message from the 1960s, 1970s and telling it to a generation that unfortunately, and it's no judgment, these are girls and people that are constantly have constant images coming at them that's who this was talking to. Yeah, yeah. And I, I can imagine how difficult it is because, yes, you and I perhaps relate to a generation where TV was ubiquitous. But now with the advent of tablets and cell phones, literally when you're not sleeping, you are perhaps looking at a screen either at work or on the train or when you're, you know, having your private moments, you, you're always bombarded by all this input and most of it is rehearsed and choreographed and structured and polished and you're left especially if you're young and you're still searching for your identity and you feel a sense of emptiness that I think a lot of young people do until they discover themselves it's easy to fill it with nonsense and the world is full of nonsense and again it's that problem that has no name and that's what Barbie was trying to come to terms with was she wasn't sure what was bothering her but she knew something was. I would name it as purpose and individuality. Would you disagree? No, I think that's a much better educated thing than I'm talking about, but I just call it the problem that has no name. That's what we called my generation of feminism was we knew something was wrong, but we didn't know what it was until we did. But some people took a long time to get on that journey. Yeah. Some people not so long. And there's a cause for that journey. You got to pay the fare. You probably have to get off a couple stops before you realize this isn't working. And, right. and I think Margot Robbie is beautiful. This is no shaded her. She was a little too old for the part. Well, I actually thought both of them were. I thought both Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling were both too old for the part. But I understand when I saw the concept, when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, my God, this thing is going to bomb. Well, two billion dollars later, I was wrong. I was definitely proven wrong. I definitely... When I saw Barbie woke up the second day and as I said, her hair was a mess and she couldn't brush her teeth and there was no water. I, I do I do remember having those moments in my life, probably more in my mid to late 20s that I think for my generation and you and I have talked about this privately, the focus was so much on getting the job, staying there forever, getting married, staying married forever, having children. There was that world and that universe that if you didn't join quickly, you started to fall off. And I could I could understand that feeling with Barbie because every one of my friends did everything they were supposed to at the proper time. And I was still kind of jumping out of the Barbie house, falling into my car and breaking my foot. <laughs> so I understood like it's kind of like you, you're literally you're all in the same world. And I mean myself and my girlfriends. And then one afternoon, it's all different. And I, you know what it is? I guess I left Barbie land. 
Yeah. And I didn't know how to cope with the real world. So I deeply recognized that problem that if you don't want to take that journey that everyone else is as a woman, what is really left for you? Yeah. But here's the politically prickly conversation. So when you do leave Barbie world or Barbie land and you go on this journey of individualism and self-discovery and you come back and you see that your friends have not, they have adopted a more conformist, more traditional lifestyle. Where does that leave you? Out in the cold. Because I, to me, that's one of the important juxtaposition of the movie is that um, it's a question that we're having right now in our culture. What's the appropriate role of women? I mean, granted, we're not talking about property rights and voting rights, but we're talking about the idea is the ultimate fulfillment of a woman, is it to be a wife and a mother? Or is it to be the CEO? Or is it to be the CEO who's a wife and a mother? And those are just three examples. I think the purpose of feminism was choice. If I chose not to have children and not be married, that's okay. We all can choose our own lives. But the problem is, is fitting into Barbie land when you haven't, when you're surrounded by people that live very conventional lives, your life makes them uncomfortable. Yes. You're after their husband. Why didn't you have children? What's wrong with you? And when you are that person, every woman thinks you're trying to get to what they already own. Right. And so you become a threat. You're a constant threat. You can't talk to anyone that's married. You, you can't even have a conversation for two minutes. Not now. I'm talking when I was in my 30s. And now on the other side, everyone leaves me alone because they don't care anymore. And I'm here for it. But I wish I had I wish I had understood what Barbie understood much earlier. And I'm hoping if this movie teaches girls anything, choose your life wisely. And recognizing is and recognize that your choice comes with consequences. And I think that's one of the lessons for all of us. All of, I was about to say for yeah. men and women that when you make these choices, and I don't know about um, well, no, I'm not saying. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm not going there. I'm not saying the consequences for men and women are the same. That would just be silly. But I'm just saying, uh, broadly speaking, your choices have consequences. But you know what? In defense of men, I think a lot of people, speaking of in defense of men, the one thing that I found I did not enjoy is the dumbing down so much of Ken. I found that offensive for all men. I would agree with that. And that's uh, that, the, I think that's where I kind of fell into this. This is, seems not quite right for me. This is a bit silly. And I consider myself quite proudly a feminist in the highest ideals of the term feminism. Feminism is not about making men look stupid, look like the villain. It's about confronting our history and recognizing that, yes, men have had the inordinate share of power and they've used it to their advantage. But it doesn't necessarily mean that every man out there is a villain and should be treated as such. And I think what they did with Ken fed into that trope. And I think that was one of the reasons why, like I said, nah, this is not for me. You don't need to make Ken look like, you know, such a silly person. And this is kind of jumping the shark a little, but what what was up with the song he was singing? It's so 90s, the I want to push you around. I, I think I love the movie up until the part where America Ferrara did that beautiful speech. And then when they flipped back over to Ken, men are not stupid. And I'm, I don't, everyone, I have a complicated relationship with men, but as they are dumbed down in this society, I think it's very dangerous. They pay, play a very important role on many levels. 
And I was really offended by that. And the moment he started to act so stupid and confused, I wanted Ken to be as enlightened as Barbie yeah. was, and it and it wasn't. And I yeah. found it really offensive. I, I would agree with that. I completely agree. I think this is kind of the Hollywood trope that in order to elevate, in order to elevate women, you need to denigrate men. And I've never bought into that dichotomy. I think this is an opportunity, and and it was a missed opportunity in this film that we have to learn that we can elevate women and elevate men at the same time. And it doesn't have to be a zero sum game. This seems to be a very 20th century old world mentality where it's a zero sum game. Perhaps one of the ideas that millennials can bring to society that I think definitely the baby boomers and Gen Xers failed at is to recognize that you can grow the pie. I understand if you're part of the greatest generation, you survive World War II, you know, it's either feed or die. But the concept of growing the pie, bringing more people to the table still seems to be missing in the overall worldview of older generations. And I kind of, this is getting more into a race thing. I, why was Barbie white? It would be too jarring. There has been a series of pushbacks against quote unquote woke, which is a useless term. It means just anything you don't like. So I think they're afraid that they're afraid to greenlight the picture with a non-white Barbie. I think there have been a series of some pretty vocal criticisms of Hollywood recasting or incorporating non-white characters into their feature film. And I think they played it safe. They wanted the story to play well in Philadelphia as well as Altoona, you know, LA as, you know, Montgomery, Alabama. So I think that was a choice. And honest, honestly, that part didn't bother me. I thought the story was more important. And yes, I think they the movie did play homage to diversity and inclusiveness. What's it? Uh, Issa Rae was, wasn't she like the mayor or the governor of Barbie land? Yeah, but they, they were throwing yes, the whole of course, racism those are, They're token gestures. I get that. But I'm not going to die on that hill of diversity and inclusiveness for this movie. This isn't where I think they either exceeded or failed to the point where I want to commit myself. It's more about recognition of the theme of what it means to be a feminist in the 21st century what it means to be an individual and how does one engage with conformity and to what extent do you accept it and to what degree do you challenge it? I think this movie was made for white girls with a lot of money. I'm curious what the African-American community's take is on this movie. It was probably not for us. <laughs> it, we're, we were not the target audience for this one. The, the minor characters was probably enough of a fig leaf to say that, yeah, this is for all little girls. But this was probably not for us. I mean, we could even get into this. What is beauty? And this is one of the challenges that any little girl would perhaps struggle with when she becomes of a certain age. What does it mean to be beautiful? And I go ahead, sorry. Agreed. No, 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 go on. I'm interrupting you. I'm sorry. I, I was just going to quickly say, if you're a little black girl, a little Indian girl, a little Asian Pacific Islander little girl, if you look at Barbie, you're looking at quote unquote beauty, but it's a beauty that you will never ever be able to attain. I found it offensive and I found it offensive that a lot of the characters that weren't, you know, whether it be African-American, Asian, they were almost back to the minstrel show, sideshow of characters. I, I found it really offensive and I'm a white girl. Yeah, but you got to remember, we can't retcon Barbie too much, to be fair. Barbie's a product of the, what, mid 20th century. She was never intended for non-white audiences. I mean, when Barbie was conceived, I'm sure the people at Mattel didn't necessarily have conversations about how LaDonna in Detroit will receive 
the image of Barbie and what kind of effect that will have on her. Those were just not thoughts that were part of Barbie's development. And I think we have to be honest about these origin stories. We can't keep making them something that they're not. You know, it's like telling the story of the Civil War without bringing up the ugliness of slavery. It's it'd be kind of silly. So so maybe the bigger question is, is Barbie relevant? I don't think. Well, I should. I have to be honest, I do remember as a little girl, and I certainly wasn't in the forefront of anything. I, I started, I stopped like to, I stopped playing with dolls very young. I was getting annoyed with it. And I remember my mom was very upset about that, but I was like, I'm over this. This is stupid. Can I pause you there? Yeah. So this is a question I've always had. Yes, I get the idea of traditions. Little girls play with dolls and this kind of like, my words, mindless tradition where you just kind of throw a doll in front of a little girl. But did you really engage with what it is that you're doing because like you know it's in the same baby lions will play with their prey and then one day they're like uh i'm gonna kill it and eat it what do you think the whole purpose of little girls playing with dolls beyond this sort of the mindless traditional roles is do you think it was to prepare you for a life this is how you start to play the role of what it means to be a woman in society did you take that from your experiences? I used to play Barbie with my next door neighbor. And what it was for us is we would dress up each other as dolls and we would interact the dolls like we would interact as girls. Like I'd be, I always had a skipper doll. My neighbor, to the best I can remember, had Barbie. So it was always like skipper and Barbie. We would have them in our hands twirling them, but we would put them, put clothes on them. But it was more of how we would interact as girls through the dolls. Right. So it wasn't about affirming any particular set of gender roles that, that I'm, I'm reading too much into that. Is that not for our experience. It was never focused. I never liked Ken. He annoyed me. I never liked G.I. Joe. All of the male infiltration of dolls made me very angry. Okay. Because I think there's a perception by non-women <laughs> who looking from the outside in have the impression that some of these, not entirely, but Part of the, the tradition of playing with dolls for little girls was to indoctrinate young girls into gender roles from a very early age. But you, from your experience, at least speaking anecdotally, you would say, no, it wasn't that intentional. No, not through my Barbie, but there was indoctrination, whether it be in school. I, I do remember, this is maybe off topic, but I remember being in high school and it really being pushed on me that I needed to learn to sew and cook and that home ec thing was very much indoctrinated. And I do remember my very close friend in high school said to me, you know, you're really gonna need to learn to cook and clean because you're gonna be a wife one day. And I, believe me, I wasn't a radical, but I remember saying, I will never have to do any of those things. And I found it very offensive. So there wasn't through Barbie, but there was in the school system in the generation I grew up in, um, especially from the, everyone that was teaching home ec was at least 60 at the time, mm -hmm. they were very uncomfortable with who we were as women and they always wanted us to behave and I was having none of it. Right. I will say this much, by the time I took a home ec class, I don't think I had that impression that it was about indoctrinating girls. It felt like you're actually learning some practical life skills and they're, the girls and the boys were both part of that, hey, these are some practical skills to learn. So. I can appreciate your perspective and I think I can share with you a sense of that. I think there part of it is generational. I think if you were, you're probably dealing with women who were part of the greatest generation. And I think by the time I took home act, my word, a more enlightened view of gender roles. Yeah. And I remember like we couldn't take shop and boys couldn't take home act. Oh, wow. So the, 
podcast. Uh, oh, oh no! Oh, wow, that is actually almost uh, a podcast in and of itself. No, I think by the yeah. time you know it was my turn, boys and girls were taking shop together and taking home ec together. So that is really interesting how public school made. Our public schools made that transition. And, you know, think talking about Barbie and the background a little, it is interesting because quickly the history is Ruth Handler, who Rhea Perlman played. I, that part was very sweet to me. I don't know why I thought her little part was sweet, but it turned out Ruth Handler, who founded Barbie, designed the doll. She redesigned the doll. She found a doll in Europe called Build Lily. So she kind of stole the ideal from someone in Germany. Like any great piece of art. God bless capitalism. Handler named her doll Barbie. Full name was Barbie Melissencent Roberts after her daughter, Barbara. And you cannot get more American. And said Barbie was from Willows, Wisconsin. Midwest girl. Premiering on March 9th, 1959 at the American International Toy Fair in New York. The first Barbie doll cost $3 and was an instant hit. And in its first year, 300,000 Barbie dolls were sold. And then later, the Handlers and Mattel added a boyfriend for Barbie named Ken after the Handler's son. And that was followed by a release of huge range of new Barbie dolls with more than 125 careers. So Barbie was definitely ahead of her time in that regard. But, you know, while you were speaking, I was just thinking about from the movie, there are definitely elements of it where I think I don't know that it necessarily improves our communication across these cultural lines because Bex, you have Barbie being the most light female, you have Ken who's kind of this robotic, uh, almost cartoonish, uh, traditionalist male who is kind of like only superficially involved in life. He has no depth to his character or his consciousness. And to me, that is what's going on in the real world. And how do we make that change? Is it, do we make the change when Ken also goes on his journey of enlightenment? Is that the next step? I find when I have conversations with people from my era, friends, there's always this comment, well, that's just men and you know how stupid they are. I don't buy that anymore. We've evolved as women. Men should evolve with us. And I think men are be giving the short stick when, you know, when Ryan Gosling was singing, I'm just Ken. When I speak to women that have boys or sons, they're, they always give them this full room to, they're just boys. Boys don't act that way. You know how stupid they are. And I find that very offensive for them. I totally agree with you. I totally agree. I don't with get you. that. Unfortunately, there's there's some negative consequences to it. You have essentially men are allowed to be boys into their late teens, early 20s, 30s, 40s. You know, according to, you know, when George W. Bush was arrested, he was just a young man in his, what, 50s. So I, I think it seems innocent enough, but the practical complications of that is that boys never have to grow up. Boys never have to be serious. And that is not good for society. Women are not the only ones who need to be mature and responsible. And why are they being mature and responsible? Because you don't want young girls to get pregnant. And so like, we don't want to get into this whole gender role, sexuality discussion, but I don't think it's quite as innocent when you look at the implications. I don't think there's a mother out there who wants their son to be silly and kind of reckless. No mother would intentionally want that. But you have to consider the implications of your actions. And what one of the main implications are or is it's 
it's the idea that boys will be allowed latitude to be reckless and irresponsible. And I don't think that's good for society. And I'm going to say something, and I've told this to you for a, few, a long time. I feel like the role of marriage needs to be redefined because growing up in my era, you know, I want to be careful how much how I word this, but a specific friends would say to me, you need to train your boyfriend better. And I was very startled by that, that you need to take control now, train them on how you want them to treat you. They're too stupid to know. And this is 35 years ago. I was very offended by that whole training. Yeah, I get it. Type of, I get it. I and like, I what? think that's the push pull that's partly taking place in society. I think, you know, you, we, we have more female college grads. We have more fem females uh, getting into the C-suite, taking executive roles in companies. And, and I think, this is one of the reasons why you have the resurgence of what millennials call the manosphere, where men are, quote unquote, reclaiming their masculinity, essentially just misogyny with steroids. But it's very popular to have 13 year old boys who think that their ultimate purpose in life is to have playboy model girlfriends and a million dollars in the bank without considering how to get it and the long-term consequences of it. It's all about the superficiality. It's all about the Barbie land. So on some levels, I think you can see Barbie as a silly movie, but the, the most disturbing part, it's that it's actually a reflection of how silly real life is and how absurd some of our attachments are. And I think, you know, we see it separate and apart from us and we look at it and go, wow, look at Ken. He's just this bobbleheaded, unserious person. Look at Barbie's dreamland. Barbie's world. Look how clean and pristine it is and look how orderly it is. Look how everyone gets along and but they all get along by being the same. And and I, I think that was and I use this term very specifically. That was part of the genius of the movie. I think there was a certain genius to it because a lot of the silliness of the movie that we laughed at, I think a lot of people um, left the theater without recognizing, wait, that's really us. That's real life. That's what it means to get up every morning. And when you say not your demographic, do you mean age or race? I didn't honestly think about it in terms of race. I was thinking about in terms of age. I think it's hard to separate them. If you are not part of the majority white population, it's just another aspect of being that separates you from some of these some of these messages. The girls I asked that I work with that were white love the movie. I did ask one African American girl and she kind of looked at me. She goes, I didn't I didn't enjoy the movie yeah. and I wish I had time to kind of poke a little more. But I, I have to be honest, when I was watching it and kind of near the end and it was over, I thought, how today are we getting away with making a white blonde girl so prominent? I, I found it offensive. I'll give a slight pushback on that. That is the absurdity that art often reflects to society, that it's not about promoting the idea. It's about, hey, look at this. That's who you really say you are. This is these are the values that you espouse. This is what you want your life to look like. Does that does that resonate with you? Go ahead. No, 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 I agree. I will give them the possibility that that was part of it. It's very evident that there are levels of what I would consider absurdities in the movie, but often that's what art is. It's kind of like Shakespeare and the role of the, the fool. In many of Shakespeare's plays, the fool is the one that knows what's going on. Fool is the only one who can speak truth to power, you know, speak truth to the king and tell uh, and narrate the story with humor, but like brutal honesty. And I think sometimes when we see a movie with these absurdly, let's go with traditional gender roles and racial portrayals, it's not always 
evident that maybe it's a form of satire or do you think I'm giving them too much credit? No, I, I think you're probably correct. I think they it is all satirical. That's exactly right. I think that's a better description. Right. And on that level, I can appreciate the movie more. In some ways, it's appropriate that the movie is geared towards a white audience because that is the dominant power structure. To satirize that power structure, to satirize that mentality, if you will, would seem completely appropriate because I don't think in many black households, mothers and fathers encourage their kids to indulge in silliness. I think you know, for a lot of black families, life becomes serious very fast. I agree. I, as I said, I, I was a little startled by the whiteness of Barbie. And it bothered me that one of the Barbies had a TV in her back and she was African-American. That's part of the challenge. I mean, I think to update the image of Barbie so much so to make it aligned with current sensibilities would be to lie about the history of Barbie. So I think I'll give them credit. I, it was a difficult tightrope to walk for them in terms of honoring the history of Barbie, but also making it relevant to modern audiences because it was never meant for non-white audiences as a primary demographic as a primary uh, marketing element to the origin story of Barbie. So like I said, it's really, it's like trying to tell the story of the Civil War by cutting out the notions of slavery and white supremacy. It kind of fails. And I think to a certain extent, when you tell the story of Barbie, you have to tell the story of America and their attitudes towards racial minority groups. And I think for me, what was interesting, you maybe didn't notice it, but the, there was a lot of songs in the background, but the two that really spoke to me was when Barbie was in her Barbie dream house, they were playing Girls Just Wanna Have Fun by Cyndi Lauper very lightly in the background. But when Barbie was leaving Barbie land, there was a switch and they went to the Indigo Girls closer to fine. And for me, as a woman that was in her early 20s in the 1980s, everything was Girls Just Wanna Have Fun. It was dressing properly, doing all of these things. But by the late 1980s, when the Indigo Girls came out, I'm going to call it I'm going to call it the Nirvana moment for women. It was Melissa Etheridge, the Indigo Girls, Courtney Love. These girls were not stereotypical. They were radical and angry women. And I remember two friends that I grew up with when Indigo Girls came out and that Melissa Etheridge era, the Alanis Morissette, they cruelly called it dyke rock. That's a schism that we're still fighting today. You have women and men who want a more equitable representation of men and women in terms of gender roles and gender expectations. And we have women. I mean, let's be honest, you will always have a degree of pushback from that generation. It, it reminds me a bit of Stephen from Django, you know, the old grizzled slave who will do anything he needed to do to preserve his own survival, even if his own survival meant uh, perpetuating his, his enslavement and the enslavement of his people. And I think it's just human nature. I think there are women who realize that they want to be mothers and they want husbands to be their providers. And anyone, be it another woman, certainly men who threaten that paradigm, they become enemies. And I think that's Agreed. what we're saying. So. Anyway, how about we have a brief discussion about our wonderful sponsor this week? Our sponsor this week is the shop on Market Street, the daily local reader's choice of best barber shop in Chester County and Delaware County and Montgomery County. There we go. Is an authentic, spacious barber shop providing haircuts and styling for men and children. Owned and operated by longtime Westchester barbers Ashley White and Christina Hughes. Please book an appointment today and find out why 
hashtag girl barbers rule from kids to grandpops college students to hipsters do you think you're a hipster nick i I broke my hipster okay so you're a grandpa yay landscapers to lawyers and everyone in between whether you've got long hair short hair or barely any hair they cut and style the way you want it and if you don't know what style you want they can handle that too their address is 134 east market street westchester pennsylvania Zip code 19382, phone number 610-545-3732. Their email address is info at I'm going to recommend just follow them on Instagram. Love it. Thank you for joining us today on The White Bikini. Please remember to subscribe to The White Bikini on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And most importantly, please follow us on Instagram at The White Bikini. Thank you. Thank you.